Call Steve. Calling Steve Wither up. Mobile. Hello? Can you hear me, I hope? Yeah, that was... I'm not going to explain why, but that was my fault. Okay, I was like, dude, I'm going to go insane if this is something on our end, uh, my end. No. Nope. Okay. See, you've got you've got all kinds of dials and knobs and all that kind of stuff, and you're good. I have a phone and a <laughs> set of headphones, and it was my fault. Uh, I, oh man. Well, let's let's just make people think that we are uh, that we have a production team of like forty people that are making this happen. Yeah. Hey, uh, go ahead. Roll the clip. Go ahead. <laughs> I said room temperature water. You idiot yeah hold on they're putting a little bit more powder said i got a shiny spot <laughs> on my forehead <laughs> uh, um what what's happening on the uh the wither up farm right now uh busy day long uh but right now i have the children cleaning buckets actually as, as, as punishment or just no it long story that no one is interested in but they need cleaned okay. it's just part of it yeah okay so uh me and me and zeke and chelsea did uh some infield practice today with zeke with his new baseball glove and uh birthday he, gift yeah uh or christmas i don't know we were just finally getting around to using it and uh Oh, the kid is very naturally athletic, but he is both of our children in the sense that he wants zero coaching. <laughs> like none. He's, he's already got it, right? I got this. I got this. I got this. Okay. And he, I mean, he actually does. So uh, I can't really argue with him, but that's what we were doing. Yeah, but let's just go ahead and jump into the text. Um We've got a lot of stuff to try to work through based on what we've talked about and planned for. So, um, yeah, let me get into it. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt beside her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus! the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So this is Palm Sunday, huh? 
this is Palm Sunday. We have uh, we're scattered for Palm Sunday, so we have no no branches to give the kids, no uh, no celebration songs, no uh, mid '90s songs that include the word Hosanna in them. Yeah, I I mean, I can't believe we rehearsed that human video for nothing. <laughs> so this is um, yeah. So this is Palm Sunday. This is Jesus. This is his big entrance. Like a lot of this gospel story, you know, uh, of course it's so much more than this, but, but it's all been kind of funneling to this point, right? Like this is his, his entrance into Jerusalem. This was going to be not the right way to say it, but this is the showdown in a sense, right? This is what this has all been leading toward. Yeah. He, there's a, there's definitely a sense that this is like, this is the final battle scene or something in a, in a movie that's starting. Like, you know, that it's about to get real. Yeah. And that mean, you know, this is the thing that, you know, how much of, of, um, foreknowledge or whatever that, that he had in his statements to the disciples earlier is, you know, debated or whatever, but like what Jesus knew though, was for, all that he represented and all that he was like, it needed to uh, confront what was in Jerusalem. I mean, it needed to go to this point. He couldn't just, he couldn't remain at the margins. Right. Right. Yeah. Th- there's like, um, he was, you know, he's from Nazareth and he's, he's doing all this stuff around Galilee and he's, uh, he's in the sea of Galilee and, and teaching and hillsides and all that kind of stuff. But it was always like, it was always funneled toward Jerusalem. Like there was, there, this was, this was coming. It was culminating, uh, with this trip or whatever. Yeah. The, um, you know, and, and the, this story has been looked at in, so many different ways, you know, and it's, I mean, obviously it's one of the stories that's been, it's, it's preached every year basically by however many churches there are. I mean, so this has been looked at. And so every, every time it's like new angles, new little nuances or whatever, or, or, you know, sought to be found as a way to keep it interesting or whatever. Yeah. You and I talk about that with, with traditional text or, you know, whether it's whether it's during Advent or during Easter or whatever, there's always this feeling anyway. It's not imposed by anybody but ourselves, maybe. But to say something cute about it, to find some new angle that hasn't been explored, and of course you, you won't. Right, especially in you know like whether it's you know just a lot of symbolism, you know, and people will will dive into it and and things like that, and um. But I thought maybe one of the things that could be uh, one of the main launching points for what we talk about could could be just simply why did Jesus choose to enter this way? Because this was extremely, extremely intentional, like both the method and the um, when it occurred, like, you know. Of course, Jesus wasn't just um, going with the flow here. Like he, he had a very, very clear 
statement to be made. It's almost um he's a rabble rouser. Right. And this was uh <laughs> this was performance art in Big a time. sense. Yeah. Yeah. By choose by choosing this time and this method. Yeah, he he didn't he didn't pick a donkey because he just needed a form of transportation to walk into the city on. Right, and it didn't it just happened to be that well, we're here, I might as well walk in. <laughs> right. Um people like people like Marcus Borg and uh John Cross and they've done a lot of work in to in in this and you know and what they've really spoken to is is a couple of things but one is that that this was a time in which two there were two processions that were entering Jer- Jerusalem like it wasn't this wasn't the only show in town there were two processions that were entering uh Jerusalem because every year the roman the roman governor would ride to Jerusalem from, uh, I believe that, I believe he was coming from the West mm-hmm. because, and the reason that he came this time of year, because if we remember the, you know, these, these Israelites, they were, they, they were not free people. They were under this, they were under this Roman oppression. This was, I don't know if it would be the height of, but they were definitely, um, Rome they were was definitely, not small. At this point and it's reach right. around the, that whole area. No, it was, it was the empire. I mean, I know that that word kind of gets thrown around a lot now, but that it, there's no other way to say it. Rome was the dominant empire of the day that, that, um, did not allow for Israel to be free. They felt as if they were oppressed people under this regime, mm-hmm. I guess is, yeah. is, um, so that being the case, the Roman governor would ride into Jerusalem then every time at this year because this was the beginning of Passover, the celebration of Passover. And this was the Jewish festival that um, – that uh, what's the word? Is commemorate the right word? Yeah. Yeah, commemorates the, the departure. It was their festival that they, they celebrated the departure of Egypt. Um, from Egypt, when, of course, you know, the whole Exodus narrative talks to us about they had been enslaved for so many generations, and the Passover celebrates the the moment in history that God responded to the cries of the people and um, led them out of that oppression and into and into freedom. So this was uh, the celebration. This was the beginning of the celebration of Passover. And what happened then during that time is that Jerusalem's population would basically quadruple because all of these, um, you know, Israelites would come to Jerusalem as a way to they were to celebrate. This was one of their biggest celebrations. And so what would happen was the Roman governor then would would come in with a, an enormous procession. Basically, he wanted to show off. Why would he show up for 50000 when he could show up for 200000 And it was a way of him reminding these people, like— Who's in charge? Yeah, this—yeah, oh my, yeah, this is your festival, of course. Like, this is your moment to come and celebrate. But let me remind you through this, you know, this 
majestic procession of imperial power of horses of soldiers of who's got the money who's got the who's got the military power and it's not any shock what which one of these festivals he came to i mean they're they're talking about uh exodus is all about a people that are oppressed breaking out of that and being set free (laughs) so right don't think too long about exodus here because uh, we Rome are going to continue to be the power that is uh, oppressing you. Yeah, it's it's extremely um, intentional on both sides. Like as intentional as like we talked about earlier, as far as Jesus's um, methods in this story. Like yeah, Rome was was extremely intentional as well. They they were both providing a show of power, um, a, a show of imperial power at a very specific time. But also, like you just said, as a way to squash maybe any future intentions of or future possibilities of a second exodus or. or For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's the scene, you know, and so we've got Jesus then riding in on, you know, of course, everyone alludes to this in a, in a very humble, lowly manner um, on a on a donkey on on a. Uh, uh, a mother donkey with the the nursing colt alongside of it into you know and his prese- procession of course is I guess close to the opposite of what the imperial powers procession was in that moment um, and and it was met with shouts of of welcome and praise and um, cloaks being light laid down and this was this was his moment in a sense in the crowd's eyes this was his 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 grand entrance or whatever his but but what's what's funny though is that was probably not his intention and and in fact the crowd's response probably was something that almost saddened jesus as opposed to encouraged him why do you think that is? Because, because they, they were not they were not celebrating they were not celebrating the alternative to the other procession. I think that they were welcoming and celebrating they were celebrating the possibility of being the ones capable of having the Roman procession. Well, they, they saw it as a competing processional. Well, well, here's the thing. So, you know, what was Passover all about? See, of course they were celebrating the fact again, like we already said that they had been freed from the Egyptian imperial rule. They were the slaves. They were the forced labor. They were the ones who were, were forced to live at the bottom rung of the ladder or whatever. And, and so God heard their cries, and He liberated them, uh, liberated them from that position in the world. But but on the other side of that liberation was an invitation to not just simply create another Egypt, but an Egypt in which they were now the imperial powers. Like mm-hmm. the the invitation was to create an entire. W- different alternative way of being in the world 
Yes. But, but how did they respond? And so that was, and I know I've talked about this a lot in a lot of different ways, but, but that's kind of what the wilderness on the other side of the, of, of the, the Red Sea represented. It was, it was, it was a state of non-creation that was inviting them to create again. And so they had this blank slate, this new opportunity to create a society, to create a world in which honored God in a way that did not have the same sort of imperial structure um, that the the Egyptian empire had, so that there would not be the lowest rung being oppressed by a higher rung. It just wouldn't be part of the way in which society was structured. And of course, you, you know, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, all of these, those types of books, there's all kinds of things that make us, you know, be like, what? But, but ultimately at the core of those is, is God explaining how, um, society should be restructured apart from the Egyptian empire. The goal, Um, the goal of Exodus is not that the oppressed now get to become the oppressor. Exactly. But but what do they do? What happens? Like, how do the Israelites respond to that? You know, uh, it, they, they basically, the story uh, turns into them just simply becoming the very thing that they had experienced Exodus from. Correct. Yeah, and so you get everything from, basically... Basically, they created a a society in which the right people were in charge, you know. We want a king, Um, we want a king, we want a king, all of that. Exactly. That's actually probably the the most um, poignant place in which the two differences were were put on display because, yeah, God warned them even about having – that centralized authority, but yet the people begged and begged and begged. Basically, they, they said, but all of our neighbors have kings. And basically what they were saying is we don't even understand a society that that isn't structured in a way that has a centralized authority. But in, in um, And not only do we not want to get away with that, but why wouldn't we? Because we have the opportunity – to be the one at the center of this now. Right. We, we didn't have that opportunity in Egypt, um, but we do have that opportunity out here as we're building our own world. I mean, it's very, it's very uh, important to know. So like, why was the Exodus necessary? Because like the story of the Israelites, you know, could have been that God just simply led them to rise within that empire to gain control. Yeah, that, but that, that, w- that they sit on the, the, the same throne that Pharaoh sat on in the same place. They overthrow the government. Right, but that was never the intention. And so, so God had to take them out of there and into the wilderness in order to rebuild a world that, that offered worship, um, that, that built a world that, in a sense, offered uh, worship back, back to the Creator himself. And so, um, so, so all that to say is when, so when Jesus entered Jerusalem on Passover and they were celebrating that moment in which God liberated them from the oppression, I think, so, so when Jesus sees them celebrating, my hunch is that he hears them Jesus, saying, yay, yay, we have a king. 
yes. And he hears them saying, finally, here's our opportunity to be for the right people to be in charge again. Yes. And what Jesus is doing is not only entering the city in a different way, he's entering with different I don't, I don't want to use, he's entering with different weapons. Like yes. he's, he, he's entering with, with a completely alternative mindset. He has no intention of simply slaying the dragon and then therefore becoming the dragon. Right. He enters with new weapons. He enters with, he enters with the same spirit that the that led the people out of Egypt that invited them into new possibilities and that's what Jesus is entering into Jerusalem carrying and i think what he sees the crowd celebrating though is not that but with they're celebrating the possibility of becoming the new realm yeah so so we're presented with a completely different kind of king i mean it's not it's 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 not competing against it's not the flip side of 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 something it's a it's a completely alternative third way thing that Jesus is doing and the people that are worshiping him and 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 laying cloaks down and shouting hosanna don't even understand what he's doing so it's probably a feeling of being misunderstood or something of of like this is not you guys still don't get what's happening here like he he realizes that this is the path to the cross Right, and that's that's exactly right because the again the weapons that he brings to this fight in a sense are not the same weapons in which he is being fought against. I mean, he's not bringing military power. He's not bringing um, you know strength in a in a nationalistic sense. Um, he's not calling an army together. He, he's not he's not trying to build uh, fighters for him. For himself, for his mission, or whatever. No, and and thank God he isn't right. Like, of course, yeah. Like how how could how could the how could the the victory or the battle ever be over without a new set of weapons? Because think about it, you know, like if if Jesus enters Jerusalem, and let's just say he has the greatest source of of military weapons ever brought together and he just it's and it's not even close he just destroys rome and right and and again the right people are in charge again it still is there's still a sense of of looking over your shoulder like there's always the chance that new strength uh or or more strength will come along and 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 overthrow like how confident could you be in that victory if there's always a sense of another coming along with a greater force than what you use to achieve victory. But like, if you bring grace, if you bring love, if you bring mercy, if you bring kindness, and if you believe that ultimately those are the things that draw all things into transformative places, then there is no looking over the shoulder because what's going to happen? Are you scared that someone is going to bring a greater force of that same right. weapon, you know, like 
uh oh, here comes more love. Here yeah. comes more grace. Here <laughs> comes more mercy. Like, no, you just rest in that. Like, you have found the victory in those. I, and I don't even like calling those weapons, but you know what I mean. Just, yeah. Uh, well, um, one one thing is a path of ascent, and I, I think it's Roar that always talks about that the way of Jesus, the way of the kingdom, it's it's always down. Like it's a downward movement, and so in the lectionary for not not the liturgy of the palms, but the liturgy of the passion, like it it has uh, Paul's beautiful thing about Jesus in in Philippians two. It's the the whole kenosis passage. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard uh, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking on the form taking on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name, and all of that. It's like the the leadership of Jesus, the 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 uh, the path of Jesus, it's 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 obedience to death. It's it is a it is a servant kind of posture, right? And we like sometimes we assume like we assume that the goal, in a sense, a lot of times is is the given, and and so for example, you know, like. I, I don't know, in the sports world or whatever, like say we're, you know, say we're, I don't know, playing football or whatever. And it's like, okay, the, the assumption is that the given or the given is the, the Super Bowl trophy. And so then we are presented with two teams that we then get to choose which one we think gives us a better chance to achieve that Super Bowl trophy. And so like, do we choose Jesus or do we choose Rome? Because the trophy is the thing that is given like this, this flourishing within society like there. But what Jesus like, but that's not the case here. Like what Jesus is saying is even more radical than that, because he's saying the trophy's not even the goal. Like right. st- stop assuming that that the way in which you saw the Egyptians flourish, stop assuming that the way that you are seeing the Romans flourish, stop, you know, stop assuming that that is the goal. Like I'm not your means to get to that. I'm an entirely different way of being in the world. Um, yeah. Jesus is, Jesus's power is powerlessness. Right. And, and yeah, expound on that. Say more to where does that lead us then? Like where, cause that sounds like, cause what a lot of people would hear that and they think, well, that stinks. We're doomed or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's that whole, the, you know, Mark Driscoll a few years ago is like, I don't want some wimpy Jesus that I can kick his butt. Well, like I got bad news for you, man. He, he became obedient to death. Like he, <laughs> he, he yielded himself at every turn. He was not out there. Chuck Norris, kick and tail or whatever. And so I, I just think that the whole posture of the whole, like him riding in on a donkey and like performing this alternative way of being in the world, it it models for us both personally and models for us as a society, what our posture is to be in the world. It's not to, it's not to flex and to be the best empire, be the most benevolent empire. It's, it's a totally different way of being in the world. And so 
we, we find right. ourselves within an empire, but it, it, it means this is the whole be in the world, but not of the world. I mean, th- we are not of empire. We're not empire people. We're kingdom people. So we're called to live differently than that. Right. But, and that doesn't eliminate, and it obviously doesn't eliminate the need for, for strength and courage and, and, you know, all of these things, but it just but it redefines takes, them. It redefines it and it takes it into another category because again, going back to my, you know, the bad football metaphor, it's like, you know, you can pretend that the only version of courage is, you know, to play for that trophy or the only, you know, the only way in which, um, uh, you know, bravery or whatever is, is expressed is in the battle for that trophy. But, but, you know, the alternative Jesus's way doesn't eliminate the need for strength and courage and like just for calloused hands and, you know, all of these things, but it, it takes it towards a, an actual meaningful thing. Yes, it situates what that courage and what that bravery and, you know, calloused hands is in pursuit of. It is, it totally redefines what we're fighting for. Right. Yeah, because I think a lot of people, again, you know, and especially someone like, not to speak ill of anyone, but especially like someone like Mark Driscoll, they they are afraid. See, well, again, I, I hate just to use his name, but that like, he would be the type to pick Jesus's team for the Super Bowl because he thinks that any alternative outside of that presents you with a weak way of being in the world, but it's just not true. Yeah, so I, I think the thing that we we pivot into is like we're given a choice, I guess. Obviously, we you know we've we've set two things up against each other, and one's a completely alternative way of being. It's not. It's not the converse of, I don't know, it's it's totally separate from. It's not fighting against or competing against Rome, but it's embodying a completely new way of being, which is, of course, threatening to Rome, but not. it's not trying to overthrow Rome in the, in the way that they think it's, it's uh, in the way they are terrified of or whatever. Um, so how do we think about kind of what we're, what we're in? How do we, how do we live you know, in the midst of empire and, and embody like kingdom ways of being like, how, how are we, how can we do this? Yeah, because times, you know, not to make just the obvious uh, jump or whatever, but the, you know, the, the things that we are facing now, like we've said previously, part of what they do is reveal um reveal the strengths and weaknesses of the choices that we've, we've made. Um, it's very clear that we are like everything, everything is being exposed right now. So all of our, all of our false bravado of, you know, America's power, our, our ability to withstand things like it's all being tested and questioned. And like, it, it's never felt more clearly like this is, the straw man of the American empire or whatever. And um, it was actually my brother last week or a couple weeks ago, I listened to their, his message on their online um, services. And one of the things that he said, uh, you know, as we're talking about not just being 
a better Rome, but but you know being a an alternative, you know, and how Israel was supposed to create an alternative to the Egyptian way of being in the world. Part of that was, you know, the idea of Sabbath, not just the one day a week, but actually right. the Sabbath year, every seventh year. And what he alluded to is like, uh, of, of look at what's being exposed, like, like God's way of being in the world in like, not only enabled, but, but commanded that the entire tribe took took the seventh year off that what we're being exposed as being is a society that two days one day into a distraction or a hiccup and our economy crashes like god god's plan was to create some sort of economic society that took an entire year off collectively and here we are you know 30 minutes into a a speed bump and in our economy collapses this is just one example of uh what is being exposed as we have chosen to attempt to be a better Rome as opposed to an alternative way. Yeah. So it's, it's not about critiquing our economic system, although it's, you know, of course worth critiquing. It's like, who, who is your allegiance to? So I I think, you know, you talk about like, the things that Jesus is riding in on the donkey, the things that he's representing, the things that he's embodying, it's its grace and love and peace and mercy and all of these different things. And so if you set that up against uh, power and might and acquisitiveness and empire and all of these things, like it, it, it does give us a choice. Like it, it gives us a choice of where to put our allegiance, and it can't be both places. It absolutely it. it there's no way in which it could be in both places because they are so they're in, in contradiction. Opposition. Yeah. They're in opposition to one another. Yeah. And you know, and like, you know, you were talking about revelation 18 and um, you know, it talks in there about this trajectory. Like, you know, it uses the word um, I think it correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it t- uses Babylon as, as the, the right. word for empire but you know but, even though it was know, rome still right but attach that to rome and and what what a lot of that chapter does is is talk about not just this see here's the thing it's not just talking about this arbitrary punishment for evil people it's revealing what the logical outworking of this way of life projects man that is so uh-huh. important that distinction I, I was listening to brad jerzak yesterday yesterday talk about this it's that the wages of sin is death is not that god is coming in and punishing us for sin it's that the literal natural outflow of that activity or action is death and so the the logical progression of empire leads to these things happening it's not that god is coming in and punishing from the outside it's that we are uh we are living into ways that lead to death yeah and so when you read like even back in deuteronomy then all of these these um these commands to choose life as opposed to death you know it's not yes again saying the same thing but in a different way it's not just this arbitrary um uh choice versus reward or punishment like what what that what they are being admonished 
to choose is a way of life that logically leads to flourishing and to um, thriving. You know, the alternative is not just, well, if I, you know, if I cheat on my wife, God will make my business fail. No, what what those commands are talking about is like Sabbath years, uh, forgiveness of debts, um, you know, a, a living within the site, the, the natural rhythms of, of, of the world and creation and leaving the edges of your field for the marginalized and always making sure that there are, is never a permanent underclass and all of these things. It's not like if you don't, then God will come in and arbitrarily impose some sort of non-related punishment, but it's like, if you want to thrive as a society, if you want life to um, continue to evolve and grow and become this bigger, better God designed thing, then you will live this way. And so when we read in revelation 18 about, I don't have it in front of me, but what, like the merchants failing and like these people who have, uh, um, just piled these possessions high and tried to collect and, and just shoot for the stars as far as luxury and all of these things, they're collapsing, not because God is arbitrarily punishing, punishing them, but because it's just simply not sustainable. Yes. Yes. So, so righteousness then becomes the thing that produces human flourishing. It's not about righteousness, pleasing God in some external way as if, as if like this random act some for whatever reason makes God happy. It's that this is like, it's tapped into like elemental sort of existential things. It's if, if you leave grain, you know, on the edges of your fields and if you take a Sabbath here, like this is what Shalom or this is what flourishing looks like. This is the shape it takes. And that's not eliminating, that's not eliminating God from the equation. That's, that's, deeply immersing ourselves in the equation that includes God at the center or the, you know, creation and, and our, and humanity. Like it's, it's deeply immersing ourselves within that equation. It's not eliminating God from that and, and acting as though, well, all we need to do is figure out this machine in order to make it operate correctly. Um, it's, it's still, involves spirit and God being intimately involved within the unfolding of this thing that God has created. And, you know, jumping back to, you know, the triumphal entry, this, the gospel text this week, what Jesus is ultimately inviting us into through his death, through his resurrection, through his, through all of it, like through the forgiveness of sins, all of it is to experience a new birth in a way that approaches this life very, very differently. Yeah, the, the, the thing for the Christ follower is that, is that we, you know, the king that we serve is self-sacrificial to the point of death and powerless in, in every way that the world would define power. And that's the king that we serve. That's the that's the world that we're called to. Uh, that's the world that we're called to create. That's the that's the kind of um, that's the kind of mentality that we're. I mean, that's that's what the Philippians passage says that we're called to have the same mind of Christ, who, you know, blah blah blah. That's um, 
Did you just yada yada I, Philippians I, two? Yeah, I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> probably like the most important, the most important right. thing for the early church. You know that. Right. Uh, you know. <laughs> you know, in the same mind of just who cares? You know. You know yeah. I probably shouldn't do that. Um. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we're probably at a good stopping point. Um. I hope any of that makes sense. I, I I don't want to go back and try to make bullet points of things to remember. There's, there's a lot there. Um, hope any of it lands, I, you know? <sighs> well, yeah, it's, it's such a, it's, it's such an enormous, um, topic, you know, and I, I we probably meandered into, you know, a lot of, a lot of different ways and, you know, but, but but hopefully hopefully the the general ideas um i guess came through you know it, because the other thing too is like this type of conversation it's not it's not foreign i mean you know there's a lot of like um anti empire type conversations that are going on that i don't think are helpful like i i think they're coming from a they would never admit this, but I almost think that they are based out of a, um, I would like to be Rome place. If that yeah. And, and you know, since so, I'm not, I'm going to rail against it. Right. And it's just such an easy, it's such an easy angle to take. Um, like, you know, let's yell at the 1%. Well, but if I had a chance to be, you know, part of the 1% just that whole thing. I, I heard, um, I heard somebody this week just absolutely like going to town on people that live in New York city that are wealthy enough that they have vacation homes, either in upstate New York or Colorado or at the beach or whatever that have left the city because of the virus and are going into those small towns and like you're infecting other people and you're bringing your, you know, all that stuff. And I just, there's just no chance in the world that if it was you, you would do differently. There's just no way. Like if you had a home in Telluride, Colorado, and you had a way of getting there, you would do it. It's there's just no question in my mind. Right. And my go-to reference is Saturday night live. And they did a wonderful sketch several, several weeks ago about these anti-corporation young uh, people in this business that slowly changed their ways as they were the ones who were being offered the promotions. Yeah. <laughs> really yeah you... But so I don't want to, I don't want this to sound at all like that. It's this, like we're completely out of that category and into this other thing of, of just this, of what Jesus was trying to embody in his entrance into Jerusalem, which was a, in a sense, not a, not a reenactment of the Passover, but but the choice that he made was very intentional in reminding the people that they had all. Remember, you you had the opportunity, but you you had already chose Rome. You yeah. chose the other procession, and what I'm but what Grace is doing is offering the choice over and over and over again. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yeah. So who, what King do you want to follow? What world do you want to live in? How, what kind of energy do you want to be animated by? 
what's what's the central kind of engine that's powering your life or whatever not that sounds real cheesy but (laughs) that leads right into the ultra call (laughs) play some tasteful pad sounds underneath this yeah um well good do you have anything else no, let me let me just pray over everybody. I, I, if 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 you've made it to this point in the recording, uh, thank you, and uh, and I'm sorry at the same time. Um, but yeah, let me let me let me pray for neighborhood and whoever else is listening. Um, Lord, thank you for your presence. Um, thank you that you're with us. Lord, help us as we try to figure out what it means to be the people of God in this world, in this place that you've put us in. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that in a way that's faithful. We don't want to, um, we don't want to just be a different uh, Rome, but with a Jesus t-shirt on. We, we don't want to recreate things that have led to whatever's collapsed and all the unhealth that we're seeing, all the stuff that, um, has been exposed as, uh, you know, worthless in this time. We don't want to recreate that and start, start the process over, but with, uh, with a Jesus kind of spin on it, we want to embody something different and, and, and new and, and live into a third way of being or whatever. It's not either, or it's, it's a new, totally new thing, God. So help us to be your people on mission in the world. Help us to be full of love and mercy and self-sacrificial, um, love and, and, and giving of ourselves to the point of, uh, of great cost. Lord, help us to find power in our own weakness. Lord, help us to, um, yeah, help us to live in a new way. And Lord, we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus name. Amen.